0: Welcome to Solving Temporary Staffing Problems, the only podcast which helps you create winning MSP VMS programs that are efficient, comprehensive, and save you millions. Learn to enhance your current VMS MSP program or simply build your own with the absolute authorities in temporary staffing. Episode of Solving Temporary Staffing Problems. I'm Brianna Strobel,
1: and I'm Jean-Paul Renard.
0: And today we're going to be talking about selecting suppliers and tying their performance to your overall savings initiatives. JP, how's it going today?
1: Oh, uh, Brianna, I am good. It is what what day is Tuesday?
0: Tuesday today.
1: Tuesday, and I'm uh, super excited and pumped, as you can tell by my tone. <laughs> <laughs> I might be a little tired today, (laughs) yeah, but Uh, I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. So just to remind everybody, we set up this podcast in order to inform and educate on a lot of the problems and topics that we receive questions about regularly here. So I'm assuming that under this topic of selecting suppliers and tying their performance to your overall savings initiatives, I'm assuming you've received a bunch of questions or at least notice some problems with this. Yeah. JP, you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, Brianna. So um out of like all of the issues that come on my desk from our from our clients, it's this is probably the number one issue. Um it's like how do I identify suppliers? How do I find the the least expensive suppliers? How do I get all of my orders filled in that process as well? And the business itself, temporary staffing, uh, specifically in, in, in categories like warehouse workers and also like contact centers, they've become a really commoditized uh, business. It's become very commoditized. So market, markups have been really compressed. So suppliers are working on thinner and thinner margins and performance is not necessarily the best in those categories. And I attribute it to the fact that most companies look at this uh, category in regards to selecting suppliers and how to tie measurements into their overall successes. Uh, they're looking at it improperly. Their formulas are not very sound. So I figured that maybe we can give um, our our audience a good education on like you know what are they looking at and what should they be looking at you know so that they can get the result of cost savings, right, in the entire equation and get the efficiencies and the uh, the benefits that they're looking for in regarding using a good supplier.
0: Right. Cool, cool. So just to, to jump into that, what are some of the the things that you're seeing people currently looking at when they're selecting suppliers? You mentioned that you m- maybe you see a trend there that could potentially yeah. be altered.
1: Yeah. So um, the, probably the number one thing that companies are looking at is is price. So that's the very first thing that most companies are leaning on. So they're saying, all right, they're going to a supplier. What's your markup? And they don't even further the conversation if the markup isn't uh, in line with what they're paying today or potentially lower than what they're paying today. Uh, So that's kind of number one on their list. Number two is they look at kind of service and relationship So, they look at the person that's coming to them, right? And they're really like, do I like this person that's coming to me? And, you know, what kind of service potentially would I expect them to provide? Third, they're looking at fulfillment, uh, which is critical in all of this. Fulfillment Mm -hmm. is really important. Fulfillment, again, is defined by I gave a staffing agency an order for 10 people for tomorrow at 6 a.m. Did 10 people show up? 10 really good. Workers show up to at 6 a.m. Right, that's fulfillment, and then they look for terms. Like, what are the terms? Right, whether it be payment terms or conversion terms, they're looking at those terms. So they usually, that's usually the ranking order. Yeah. Right, with pricing that, being the first
0: one. And that's like a little bit contradictory to what I've heard you say, which is the the top frustration that people have with their current suppliers is typically fulfillment related.
1: Yes, that's right. So it's, it's right. funny
0: that you say price is you know first second is this and that third you said is fulfillment
1: yes i mean yeah, i mean you're brilliant that's brilliantly said so yeah isn't that amazing right that's what i'll hear from time and time again i go around the country i meet all these big business leaders and i go what's the number one problem that you have um in regards to the temp labor population and, and your suppliers and the number one thing is fulfillment yeah right it's never pricing that they bring up yet when they're making a selection they put pricing as the number one thing that they're looking for. Yeah, which is like it's it's insane to me, right? Because and, and, even yourself, you say, how does that make any sense when the problem you're trying to solve is around fulfillment? Yeah, but you so, know, but you
0: know, deal with a headache once in a while, and you but you save money, right or wrong?
1: Right, so that's a great that's a great segment. So you would think that that would be potentially a true statement, but it just isn't, right? So it isn't that if you know, these failures that are occurring in fulfillment are not translating to a financial cost to a company. So when, so I'll give you a quick education on kind of what does non-fulfillment do to a company um, or attrition do to a company, which we'll talk about is, is when you're not able, when, when warehousing, again, this is a bit warehousing centric, this conversation and warehousing workers, but you can apply this basically in any category. When production is not completed, what does that cost you as a company? So what you thought you saved in a markup from choosing a cheaper supplier, but if they weren't able to fulfill properly, both in the initial fulfillment and the reduction of attrition, did it actually cost you more money, right? right. Because you weren't able to fulfill back out to the consumer or to, their, to your client, right? Uh, using the example, uh, you have to send out a million units out of your warehouse this week, you're gonna do a million units. You need a hundred people. Those a hundred heads in order to f- to fulfill uh, a million units going out the door. Now, out of those hundred people, you only get seventy. So, in that equation, technically, you probably were only to only able to fulfill seven hundred thousand units. And that three hundred thousand units that didn't go out, what did that cost you mm. as an organization? Was it bigger cost for you not to get that units? Or or did it or would you've paid if you would have paid a little bit more to get those units out? Would you have saved money in that equation?
0: Yeah. So let's say like in that equation, that's supplier A that you chose, and they offered a thirty percent markup. Um, but you were choosing between supplier A and supplier B. Supplier B had a thirty-four percent markup, which is a higher cost initially. If they had been able to provide consistently those a hundred people you needed. Would that, that th- I think you used 70 and 30, right? That's that right. That 30 that you skipped out on, would that have equaled or surpassed that, that 4% difference? That's is what right. you're saying. That's
1: exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. My, my uh, advice, especially in, in supply chain and distribution, is to create a financial equation around fulfillment. So, understanding how much does it cost us when we don't fulfill? And not having the headcount in comparison to the savings market we thought we saved in that same equation. Mm-hmm. There has to be a cost of business related to when your units didn't get out the door. Yeah. So what did that cost you? So putting pricing as your number one criteria and selecting suppliers and then service, then fulfillment, then potentially relationship and terms... Is it's it, the the order isn't proper because it is not potentially the value that you're looking for from the supplier base.
0: Yeah. So how would you uh, order that again if you had to redo that in terms of priority? What okay. would you say is probably the more this the smarter way to go?
1: So I have five main items and I'm going to list them from top to bottom, right Ooh. from the from the highest priority. But I'm also going to tie those priorities to KPIs. Okay. So those key performance indicators that my suppliers must hit so I can measure performance based on using this very specific criteria of priority top to bottom. The number one criteria that you should be looking for in a supplier is ability of fulfillment, right? We just said it earlier that the number one problem that, that our customers communicate or potential new customers communicate to us is fulfillment. I can't get my orders filled. That should be your number one priority. So when you're identifying a supplier, what you're looking for is who in this geography, what supplier in this geography dominates the market so that their fulfillment is super, super high. And then I can tie in their key performance indicators based on that fulfillment, I'm rewarding based on their ability to fulfill. And that should be my number one criteria.
0: So how do you measure that typically? Is it Do they have a track record that they'll typically present to you with that? Or how do you go about knowing that ahead of time before you've tested them out?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So one of them is start asking them questions. Who are they supporting today? Okay. Potentially ask them for references of who those clients are to be able to connect with those clients directly and and talk to those clients to say, how are they fulfilling? What does their fulfillment look like? Do you measure fulfillment? Ask them for their own record around fulfillment. Focus on the conversation around fulfillment and stressing fulfillment. Potentially what you're going to find is is if you really stress that conversation with whoever that local rep is that you're talking to, if they lack fulfillment during that conversation, they're going to share that with you because what you're going to tell them is you're going to tie a very specific KPI around that fulfillment. So it's very important that they have a transparent conversation with you, that the number one criteria that you're looking for is fulfillment. So find references Talk to them directly, try to fish out the truth and let them know that you're tying the KPI directly to their ability to fulfill.
0: Yeah. So is that kind of number we're trying to hit in like percentage of reliability? Like, you know, if you can you can fulfill my complete order 99% of the time. Yeah, you know? like is yes. there a general number that everybody should be going for? Or question. is that scalable based on your business?
1: That is a great, great question. So in, in warehouse working category, in that labor category the the fulfillment rates that exceed 90% are typically excellent, right? Thinking that you're going to get 100% fulfillment all the time is not realistic in warehousing worker environments. But anything that can exceed 90% is a very strong number. When you get below 80%, Um, there is where you're going to start looking at, hmm, is, am I really hitting the marks? Because if I'm going below that 80, because that 80 to 90 is kind of a middle ground over 90 being excellent. Yeah. Right. But I would say below 80 could be problematic
0: regardless of the business you're in or regardless Regardless, of size.
1: Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it it will have a negative impact to your business if it's hitting below that threshold.
0: Cool. Okay. So I understand that first point then. What would be the second um, point on the list of priorities when you're assessing a supplier?
1: Controlled attrition. Now, attrition is again defined as an employee, a temporary associate that arrives and doesn't complete the assignment. Mm. There's an assignment that could be for a month, two months, three months, whatever that is, and doesn't complete the assignment. A supplier that can that you can tie the KPIs directly to attrition, and there's a formula to use which I'll share now, um, is really important. So when you're selecting a supplier, you want them to be able to tell you that they're willing to tie their KPI performance measurements to attrition as well. So fulfillment one, attrition two. Companies spend thousands of dollars training Temporary associates that come in and then having to retrain new people because they don't stay. Mm. Now, bear in mind one thing, Brie. Attrition is a shared responsibility. So supplier can provide you great people. But if you have a poor environment and you're not taking care of your temporary associates, then you are going to be responsible for the poor attrition. Yeah. The supplier is, is responsible for providing you the proper individuals. You are responsible for providing a safe um, environment for those folks to work in, as well as the cultural aspect to take care of those employees as well.
0: Yeah. So there's not only a KPI placed on the supplier in this case, there's kind of like a performance metric you're looking at on your people who are dealing directly with the associates every day.
1: One hundred percent. It's very easy for companies to just blame suppliers in regards to attrition, but really what they have to look at first is, how are we managing this internally before we say externally somebody is hurting us? Yeah. So are we providing the proper orientation to our temporary associates that are coming in? Are we giving them an opportunity to understand our culture, right? uh, What are the rules and regulations about our company? And are we embracing them for them to be part of a team or do they feel very external? Because if they feel very external, their loyalty to the job is questionable. Now, a good supplier manages this as well. A good supplier will go back to their clients and say, you don't have this orientation in place. You don't have these safety discussions in place. We're going to deploy them on your behalf in collaboration with you to do that so that we can minimize attrition. Mm. So I'll give you a quick couple of quick stats because I know we got a lot to cover in a short period of time. So if you're creating KPIs, what you want to do around attrition is a first day KPI. In other words, how many people made it through the first day and reported the second day? So there should be a KPI there, Um, a one week KPI, how many people lasted the week? And this is in consideration of something of a project that's longer than a week. Yeah. And then it's an interesting stat, and we pulled this from our own data. 85% people of people will stay at a job in temporary as a temporary associate if they make it past the week. So that's a big number. So you know, my I'm looking at Will they come the second day? Can I get them to stay for the week? Because I know that if they pass the week, I'm going to be able to retain more than 85% of that labor. Yeah. So that's a big number. You should tie that to that. Yeah. I'm going to get to my third one. Right? So we did fulfillment, Mm -hmm. right? Attrition, Mm
0: -hmm. tying
1: the KPIs to that. Now we're talking cost and price. Okay. Right? We have to acknowledge that we have to pay our suppliers within the market value. I'm not necessarily always looking for the cheapest again, because that's not the top of my criteria. Fulfillment is, attrition is, because that impacts costs greater than markup. So now it becomes can the supplier be at the market value markup? Yeah. Right? Because they could be too expensive too. Yeah. Right? There is a too expensive. There has to be a market value. So what am I doing to identify that market value? If I'm not working with a managed service provider, an MSP that's helping me, what I'm doing is I'm testing the market. I'm interviewing a lot of suppliers in that market, and I'm asking, how much do you do this business for? Yeah. Or you do it at 34, this one does it at 35, this one does it at 36, this one does it at 33. And you can get your your median. You'll yeah. know, based upon this market, my median is 34
0: and can you typically negotiate those uh, prices?
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's going to bring me to um, uh, another part of this, but you can absolutely negotiate, especially if you're dealing something that's voluminous, yeah. right? There's a lot of volume. So volume really helps a supplier, right? Because um, that becomes a scalable business for them and they can potentially make more money. But you can't commoditize them to a point where they're not making any money, because if they don't have any skin in the game, then they're not gonna be they're not gonna pick up the phone at two in the morning on a Sunday when you need them. Yeah. They're not making any money. Why would they? Yeah. You know, so they need to have skin in the game. So you have to ensure there has to be some kind of insurance for you to know this supplier needs this account. Yeah. They're making money off of us. Mm-hmm. So when I need them, they're gonna pick up the phone.
0: Yeah. And so maybe for another topic for another time, we can talk about like The benefits of having many suppliers versus the benefits of having only few. Oh yes,
1: you know, so you have you give them
0: more business or you give them less because you have more suppliers. You know, we'll talk about the differences on that at another topic. I think.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great point because um, this is a really big topic on suppliers, right? Suppliers and measurements, and you can easily have four or five podcasts around these segments, like like what you're talking about, for example, right? Yeah, Um, and that's called supplier rationalization. Like, how do I rationalize the amount of suppliers that I work with? How do I leverage economies of scale? But that's a whole podcast in itself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So was there any other um, kind of KPIs along this point that you wanted to hit?
1: Terms. So terms is really, really important, right? So um, most companies look at terms and they're looking at payment terms, right? Um, they're looking at conversion terms. Like, how, when can I convert this employee into a... Um, an employee of hours. So the conversion terms are really important. But one of the other terms that I want you to really focus on if you're a company who purchases temporary labor is tenure terms. This is where you can save a lot of money and your supplier is not beat up on the initial markup. If you have labor that's working for you, that temporary associates that are working for you over an extended period of time, you want to negotiate terms that gives you one markup over a, this period of time, let's say one to six months. You can't. You don't want to convert the employee, but you don't want to pay the same markup after six months. Okay. And this is where VMS plays a great role. A good vendor management technology will actually automate that process that says this will be one price from January 1st to June 1st, and then after June 1st, there's a reduction in price in the bill rate from June 1st on. You can negotiate those terms. There's statutory limitations in regards to taxes as well that the supplier benefits from after long-term employees are there that you should be able to negotiate some of that savings that they are experiencing as well. So there's more dollars to save in tenure than there typically is in just the beginning markup. Because if your fulfillment is strong and your attrition is low, your tenure is gonna be high And now you have these big abilities to potentially save money. So tenure, it would be number four.
0: Cool. Was there anything else on your list? You said you had five, right?
1: Number five is service, right? And why do I put service all the way in the bottom, right? These are all obviously very important. The reason I put it all the way in the bottom is that if you can't get this order one through four properly done, service never occurs, So if you're paying your supplier poorly, you're treating your temporary associates poorly, that means your fulfillment is going to lack, your attrition is going to be high, um, and the service level won't exist. So if I put service number one without having all of these other values, these these four other values that are critical, it will ensure your service will be Excellent if you can have fulfillment, number one, tying your KPIs, attrition, shared value that you both have together, cost and pricing, third Mm -hmm. in that value, terms, now your service could be excellent because you have a supplier that has skin in the game, you're partnered with that supplier in sharing attrition responsibilities and safety responsibilities, and you're both making more money. That's when you get really great service.
0: Cool. I love it. And we could do entire podcast topics on all five of these things. I was thinking, like, man, we could totally dive deeper into terms itself, <laughs> 100%
1: <laughs> into
0: service, the, all the moving parts with that. Like, there's so many things that we could talk about. But um...
1: that's a great point. 100%. All of these have like these uh, subcategories to talk about um, and how to improve fulfillment and how to improve attrition. But looking at this from a macro level, Get away from using price number one, service number two, fulfillment three, terms and relationships four or five, and get into the practice of understanding that fulfillment will be number one, tied to KPIs. Controlled attrition is the shared value between all of you and tying KPIs from on both parties. Um, then you're doing with cost and pricing to get into the market value. Then you're talking about terms and the savings opportunities in those terms, not just looking at terms of payment or terms of conversion, but terms around tenure and the dollars that you can save there. And then service will be amazing.
0: Yeah. So who is this geared toward? This is this is episode is pretty much geared towards VPs, managers, financial peeps. Like <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, totally.
0: This could potentially benefit the entire business as a as a whole. So it's um, definitely super beneficial to look at fulfillment as your number one.
1: Yeah. Let me tell you something. It's so interesting because I see enterprises, they make these these procurement decisions, these purchasing decisions at the enterprise. And who suffers is the supervisor in the warehouse that can't get their orders filled. Mm. So they're there and they got to get all these units out and they don't have the headcount to get it out, right? Because the decision was made in office, but not understanding how it impacts the floor talk to the people on the floor, right? And then tie the financial equation between the enterprise and the overall fulfillment from from the distribution center and understand that mathematical equation and include the person. So whoever is is listening to this podcast, whether you're a supervisor, you know, running a line, whether you're a manager, whether you're a regional director or whether you're a VP, um, it applies to all of you, right? Because you all play a role in educating your company on why fulfillment should be number one, controlled attrition two, uh, cost and price three, terms, and then overall service.
0: Cool, I think we're pretty much out of time for today. Was that the final thought you wanted to share, did you have anything else?
1: No, I think that's my final thought. I want to encourage uh, companies to, to follow this process, build deep relationships with their supplier base so that they can realize the savings dollars that they're going to be looking for along with the service levels that they need.
0: Awesome. Well, this has been another episode of Solving Temporary Staffing (laughs) Problems. I'm Brianna Strobel.
1: And I'm Jean-Paul Renard.
0: And we will talk to you guys next time.